this morning. Oh, I want to welcome you to River Church this morning where we're having more fun than Christians, other Christians think we should, but we are having so much fun. And this morning we're going to minister the word concerning the advantage of a crisis. This will be our fifth time together on that subject. So you might say, why are you just squeezing this subject? Because it's important and you need to have mastery in this, not just go away and say, I heard something about that one time. You need to know what's in the word considering a crisis because everybody's had one, is having one, or is going to have one in in their life. And you need to know how to make it a non-crisis when it comes. So if you would turn with me in your Bible to the book of John again, chapter 16. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's a, it's a knickknack. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, verse 33 of uh, John 16, the Lord Jesus, it's read, and so he's saying these. He says in verse 33, These things have I spoken unto you, that ye in me ye might have peace. In the world, remember, we're in the world. We're not of it, but we're in it. Ye shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. He has overcome the world. I'm in him, he's in us. He has overcome the world. 2 Corinthians chapter chapter 4. Just to get everybody up to speed. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Praise God. So glad you're here this morning, brother. Thank you. Oh, hallelujah. Chapter 4, let's look in verse 17. Apostle Paul is telling the church at Corinth about their life. The Word fixes everything, solves everything, deals with everything in your life. You've never had an issue come up that the Word of God didn't have the answer. I said you've never had trouble that God didn't say, I can untrouble that. In verse 17, he's in a a discourse, and he starts out with the word for... So you'd have to read all that other, but we won't. He said, for our light affliction. So that word is kin to tribulation. It means pressure or adversity. For our light affliction. So he's he's poo-pooing anything that would say, ah, the sky is falling, the elevator's broke, and we're all going to die. He's saying our light affliction. To Christians, affliction is light. Where the world is ending for some, for us, it's like, We got that. We got the Lord Jesus. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment. Now I want you to just take a moment and say that what, not say, but to remember, whatever you're going through is passing through. Nothing can stay. Everything is moving through. It may seem like it's an eternity. You know, the Lord Jesus himself said, behold, I come quickly. And it's been right at 2,000 years. (laughs) So you can't really you know, bank on man time or world time. He said, but our light, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us. So there's, a, there's an advantage to a crisis, a tribulation, an adversity, a pressure. For our light affliction worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Yay. So I'm, I'm advocating stay out of crisis. Uh, you, there's two ways to learn. There's two ways to go up. You can go through tribulation, which many times it, some people don't react to tribulation. They're like, ah, they're, they, they are immune to pain. You, you can just take away everything and they just, they don't change. And so finally they get down to the bottom of the barrel or even under the barrel. And finally they're in so much pain, they're suffering. They finally say, you know, I'm going to look for an answer. I can't take this anymore. But that's not the highest way to learn. It's the lowest form of learning. Revelation is the highest form. That everything's fine, everything looks good, everything's just right. And you get up and say, I must learn something today. I must see Jesus. I must have his kingdom uh, revealed in my life. So uh, revelation is best. It'd be good for you and I to learn even this morning under this message or any other message or just reading the word today. Say, I'm looking for something that'll strengthen me. I'm looking for something to change me. I'm going to steer off or head off crisis, tribulation, adversity, and pressure. It won't even be pressure to me. Things that right now used to be pressure to you and me, used to put us under, we just would almost faint. Oh, my word, this thing's happening. And now it's just like, whatever. Because you know, you've been around the block. the, The kitchen sinks come by three times, and you realize there's nothing new coming. 
And you're just like, this is no big deal. I, the word has an answer for this. My experience, my, my testimony has an answer for this. So let's just say that crisis is normal to life. Jesus said it's that in the world you'll have it. So crisis is normal to life. And the reason it is, is because crisis is always change. Crisis doesn't come as crisis. Crisis is what you and I let things be when we go through change. What would wipe somebody else out, just, just take, tear them up, tear, uh, knock them down, it doesn't even matter to you anymore. Used to, the biggest thing you thought you could think was like, somebody said, I gave $100 in church today. And you just would go, oh, God, I could, if you ever ask me that, I'll have to backslide because I'm not going to. $100 is the end of the world. It's just so, why would anybody do that? The preacher's driving better than me and, and eating better than me. Why would I give 100 And you just go on and on and on. But now, like $100? Really? Really? No big deal. I hope it's no big deal. I hope it's no big deal to you. So change and transition is what takes us to another life another level of life, another form of life. It either takes you up, change and transition takes you up, and that's the only time. If you don't change, well, then you're gonna, you can't move out of your transit, you can't move out of your level of life. So you're going up, or if crisis comes and it takes you out, you'll go down, which just means you'll have to go around the mountain and learn that lesson again, because you got, you got to change in order to move up. Is that right? you got to change. So you can either move up by crisis or you can move up by revelation. It just doesn't matter. That's how you're going to move. Change is how we're going to move up or down. Uh, In Matthew chapter 25, slip over there. Look in Matthew 25. And this is the Lord Jesus again. I I tell you, I like what he says. It says uh, in chapter 25, This is the story of the master that gave three stewards different amounts of his kingdom, and then he came back and wanted an accounting of what they had done with it. This is a story about you and me. This this got lessons in it about transition and change, but it's still a story about the master coming back and saying, what did you do with what I gave you? Now, if he's going to demand of me what did I do with my singing voice, I would have to say, Lord, you didn't give me that talent. <laughs> I couldn't multiply it because you never showed up with it. Hallelujah. But in verse 21, his Lord said to him, well done. So he's, he's looking at his stewardship and said, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler or master or administrator over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. So transition, I will make you ruler over many things. Well, what caused him to be made ruler? Why was the promotion there? Because he had managed what could have been a crisis and managed it, and it transitioned him up. If you read the story on, you'll find out that the man that just received one talent, it was a crisis to him. He couldn't handle it. He says, "I the master's going to come back, and he's going to, He's going to take me to the closet. He's going to take me to the woodshed. He's going to, and I can't handle it. So he just, he just maxed out, buried the talent, so to speak, and just stood there and said, you're unfair. It was a crisis for him. And he did not learn. And the master dealt with him harshly. Well, these other two boys, the one with five and two, they said, ah, we can do this. And the Lord was pleased. The Lord was pleased. So he's always pleased when you and I come through a transition or a pressure or even something that we let get away from us, which we would say was a crisis. You shouldn't let anything get to a crisis. We should change before it turns to crisis. But depending on your tolerance level, depending on your understanding, depending on your hunger to go up higher, many times we'll let things slip by. We'll let a little something get in us, like a a sore throat or a, a, a trouble of whatever, or a little financial thing, and suddenly it blows up and we go, oh, now I'm in crisis. I could have dealt with that when it wasn't a crisis. But we did not. We were whatever. So uh, uh, change is the process of entering and leaving. Everything in your life, everything in the kingdom is based on a couple of things. One, seed time and harvest, but that's even entering and leaving. You enter into the seed time and you exit through the harvest. You enter and you leave everything in your life. You enter into this world by birth 
and you leave by the death, or in our case, the rapture. We are the exception generation. Would you, like that song saying, come go with me. I'm going up, come go with me. Hallelujah. Oh, wouldn't it be a shame to be this close and not have the rapture in your resume? Hallelujah. You enter the, you uh, leave the, you leave your father, excuse me, you, uh, uh, you leave your father and mother and you enter into marriage or career or whatever. You leave the womb and you enter infancy. And then you leave, you leave infancy and enter into adolescence. And then you leave adolescence. You, you get the point. We, you, you leave and enter. Um, you leave home to enter a career or a marriage or a life. Uh, you leave the earth to enter heaven or hell. But you're, you're leaving the earth eventually. You leave a job. You leave a city. You leave a church. You leave marriage and you enter into another one of each. So when you get divorced, you leave that marriage and you enter into probably another marriage. And you go, well, that'll be a new start and everything will be different. Depends on how you leave. If you leave just like you uh, were in it, you'll enter into the new one. So the transition in itself is not uh, the breakthrough. It's that you and I, we, we leave, we cut off, and we enter in new. So the, the, the greater the degree of change, the greater the potential crisis. Now, you know that we've, we've talked about there's uh, four personality styles, and one of them, which is 73% of all personalities, does not like change, doesn't like change. Now, you'll get some wildcatters that just like they don't even like to stay the same. They, wanna, they don't want to eat the same thing uh, one day to the next. Well, we had chicken last week. We're not eating chicken this week. Or we, 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 uh, we went to that place 10 years ago. We're not going back. We're going, you know what I mean? Just, uh, they like, they're wanting constant flux, constant change in their life. And then there's people like me that's like, I could eat a potato or an egg every single day. It's like, bring it. I, yeah, we'll just, we'll just, we'll just put something on it. So crisis is the, is the transition of the change. From going from leaving one thing to entering another brings crisis because we've never been in the another. We've never been in this new level. We've been in here where it's comfortable. We feathered our nest and got comfortable and sat down and it's, it's just like we want, just like you get your pillow going at night. You know, you get it just like you want and you get your covers just like you want and you, you finally settle down and then someone rips the covers off. And says, well, we got to get up and go to work. And it's like, oh, that was a, that's a crisis. Hallelujah. For some people, it's more crisis than other, Barry. I mean, uh, <laughs> hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, uh, how you leave anything, listen to me, how you leave anything determines how you can enter anything else. If you don't leave right, you can't enter something else right. In other words, you bring your stuff with you. It's just a new environment. You got off the beach and went to the woods, but still you're the same unless you leave right. So whatever you leave from the old, whatever you take from the old will affect the new. Change. Do y'all hear change? We got to change some things. We can't just, we can't just change the environment, change the atmosphere. We've got to leave some things in order to enter in some new things. There's got to be change. There's got to be transformation. There's going to be, have to be a transaction, has to be transition in, in, uh, in our life. If you leave wounded, you're going to enter in something wounded. Do you all know hurt people hurt people? And until they get fixed of being hurt themselves, they will continue to hurt other people. Even though you put them in a new marriage, in a new city, in a new job, or whatever. If you, if you leave bitter and hostile and defeated and burdened, you just take it with you when you enter something else. And there is no transaction. There is no change. So it's just more of the same. If you, uh, if you leave in faith and victory by revelation, then the transaction, the change, will be one that's glory. It'll be a promotion. So we're always stirring ourselves up to get in faith. Why? Because we want a transaction, we want a transition, we want a change to take us up higher. 
We don't want to be afraid of what's going around. And oh, we're all going to get sick and we're all going to miss work and it's going to, we'll miss our payments. Do y'all know those people that have a problem for every solution? <laughs> I do. Well, we, we got to leave that right there. Look with me in James chapter one, if you would, please. We're looking at the advantage of a crisis. James chapter one. Now, revelation can't be taught. Let's go back up to that when I said earlier that revelation is best, but you can't teach revelation. You can teach information. You can, you can speak. You can teach. You can, uh, uh, instruct and people will get knowledge. But have you ever been or know someone that's been where you told them and you told them and you told them, but you can tell they didn't get it? I'm that way about certain things concerning computers. They, they tell me, they look at it and say, here's this. And yet, if you don't get a revelation and say, aha, I got it, then, then you, then you're calling them in a few minutes and say, now, what about step two? I'm famous for going to the grocery store. And if you tell, if you give me more than three items to pick up, I'm only coming back with two. <laughs> Cause, you know, I'm just, that's not my thing. It should be. I should write it down and I usually do, but it's the same thing. Revelation is something that happens on the inside. And sometimes it's beyond information. Revelation is spiritual. It affects your today. It affects your soul, but revelation is spiritual. So if you're not spiritually alive, if you don't keep yourself stirred up spiritually in the word and prayer and with the saints and, and, and out of sin, then you're going to have to completely cope with your world by information. You're going to have to listen to what people say. You're going to have to figure out how you feel, what you might think about this or that. But revelation just, it just drops down in you and all of a sudden you just know. I know there's no crisis by revelation. You avoid the crisis. There's change, change and transition. You go up to a new level, but it's not by crisis. You skip the crisis, the trouble, the pressure, the adversity. You skip that because revelation just takes you there. And so we're all looking for the revelation of the Lord, the insight, and it drops down in you. Well, somebody will say, well, I got a revelation, and they share that with you. And you go, well, okay, that's nice. Yeah, I see it. But you can tell it doesn't blow up in you like it blew up in them. It, it, they're all excited about it. Look what I discovered. Well, it's sometime, one time somebody told me, said, well, uh, uh, you need to be in grace. You know, it's, it's the greatest revelation. It's the greatest thing. Well, I've always been in grace. I just never have called it grace, but, uh, uh, no condemnation in Christ Jesus has been my forte for 30 something years, 40 years. And so I got the revelation back earlier. Well, you got to get revelation, amen, to miss crisis. Now you can learn in a crisis and you should, cause it'll bury you if you don't come out of it and, and win. But you, but revelation is the key. That's why we're in church this morning. That's why you read this is because it's not like, well, I, I got some information. I read James one this morning and it was a real nice chapter, but it's when the scripture jumps off the page. It's when suddenly Holy Spirit says that's you and that's what's holding you back. Change it. And you go, Holy Spirit, I change it right now. Revelation has set you free. So you miss crisis, even though you had a crisis, it wasn't a tribulation crisis. It was a crisis that said, I, I was bond, in bondage, but now I'm free. So you, you got to have right information. Uh, we got to get out of that. James chapter one, verse two says, my brethren, count it all joy, count it all joy. He said, stop and take uh, count of, of your life and count, say, you have to say, everything's just right. You got trouble in your life. You got things, something facing you financially or in your body. You count it all joy. You, you, you stop and say, this is facing me, but everything is just right. You go to the end from the beginning. You don't extrapolate. Like I said a while ago, the people that have a problem, that have a, a, a problem for every solution. I just can hardly bear to be around those people. Like you, you come in, you're like, whoa, we got it. This is it. Well, what about that? Did you think about that? You know, they're kind of looking at you like this isn't as good as you say. 
Well, we've just gone to the end. We didn't go to the middle and say, well, it'll work out this way and we'll do this and that. We just went to the end and everything's just right. But they're going through the process and say, well, it, it could go this way and it could go that way. And then what are you going to do? Well, I already went to the end. Yeah. I already saw that everything is just right. And the, in the middle doesn't matter. It will, it will turn out amazing. You know, and if we do stumble, if we do stop and everything, we'll adjust. And we'll still get to the same, everything is just right. But you got to go there. So he said, brethren, count it all joy when you fall, when you fall. Uh, the word there is when you're surrounded in, by divers or multiple temptations. Knowing this, how do you have joy? How can you count it joy? Well, by knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. So it's not you that's being tested. It's not us that's being uh, judged to say, well, you're going to go to heaven and hell. You're going to be pleasing to God or not pleasing. It's our faith. Well, I can adjust my faith. How long does it take to adjust your faith? You just make a decision. If you be willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. So I got to get willing. I'm obedient, Lord. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll go where you want me to go. But he says, but are you willing? Well, Lord, I just said I would. I got to count it all joy when he says, this is what we're going to do. Woohoo! <laughs> we're going to do something I'm so uncomfortable with, so inexperienced with, some, something I've never liked, something I do not care for. Woohoo! I'm going to count it all joy. I'm going to go to the end because I'm willing and obedient. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. And verse, um, where we go after that? Verse 13 says, let no man say when he is tempted. So he says, count it all joy when you fall into divers' trials. But he said, uh, be sure you know where the trial's coming from. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. Now, this is a major thing in a lot of people's lives. It says, well, why is God mad at me? That is wrong premise. That is wrong foundation to say, why is God? He's never been mad at you. And if he was, he would have whacked us all way back when we were doing really naughty stuff. <laughs> I got some stuff in my life, you know, it's in my past, but it's like if he was going to get mad and mean and vengeance, we had, I gave him some marvelous openings. <laughs> I'm on it now. I do slip off the trail occasionally and this and that, but the trail's narrower and sometimes, you know, you, you but I'm on it. So he says, when, when you're blessed, uh, blessed is the man. Excuse me, verse 13. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. Why? Why can we not blame God? For God cannot be tempted with evil, and I'm in him and he's in me. Neither tempteth he any man. Trials, tests, they do not come from God. He's on my side. He's for you. He is not into destruction. Well, this the Lord tried me because he knew that I wouldn't do it unless he put unless he took my job away and I got in faith and believed him for this better job and so now you know the Lord the Lord put me out of business so he could put me back in business wrong he came in spite of the trouble and and you were you and I became attentive when you're out of a job or when you're sick or when you don't have any money you pay attention so we pay attention and suddenly we're paying attention, then revelation comes, and we walk out. Some people don't walk out very fast. They waller in it. They carry on for one year, two years. They're just mad. They're mean. They're, they're, they're blaming. They're victims. They're, just, they're terrible people to be around. That's when you give your brother and your sister uh, to somebody else. Would you, would you take my sister? She, <laughs> no more sisters here. Amen. And uh, so, let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted to God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. Promotion is hindered when we don't deal with unsolved issues. God can show you the answer, but like we talked about Wednesday night, you have to have a capacity for it. Can, can you hold $100,000? Woo, yeah, Lord, send it. Well, a lot of people that did the lotto didn't, they couldn't hold it. Could they? They couldn't hold the, the, the money. It just flew off of them and they lost it and everything. Then suddenly they're in debt in three to five years. They're in debt. They're, they're on the street. Well, the same thing with us. A lot of times unresolved issues in our life. God has to back up and talk about stuff that seemingly is unrelated to the event that we're facing 
in order to make us strong enough or get us prepared so that we can win in this situation. If you have unforgiveness, for example, you're just mean about those people. You're bitter. It's in you, and, and the Bible says in Hebrews, that a root of bitterness rising up defileth many. And so if you got bitterness, how are you going to enter into the promised land if you're mean and mad? God does bless us. He does help us. But we throw it off if we have unresolved crisis. So he's always dealing with us about the weaknesses in our life, about the things that aren't working. Because he wants to promote us, but he doesn't tempt us. He doesn't try us. He doesn't judge us. Amen. So, so in order to, to leave, in order to enter different, or, or in a, we got to leave some stuff behind. We got to resolve some conflicts in order to enter into a new place and be free of those, those, uh, those weights and those things that are in life. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter six. Can you slip away back? Deuteronomy. That's, uh, that's due west. Deuteronomy chapter six. Let's, let's look at this. Oh, hallelujah. Don't you just love the word? Don't you just love the word? It's just, it just answers everything. Why, why are we not in the word all the time? Because it's just the answer to everything. It fixes everything. It feeds us and makes us full and healthy and whole. It, it turns us into another man. It says in verse 20, and when thy son, okay, yeah, this is right. When the son asketh thee in time to come saying, what mean the testimonies and the statutes and the judgments which the Lord our God hath commanded you? Then thou shalt say unto thy son, We were Pharaoh's bondmen in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders, great and sore, upon Egypt, upon Pharaoh, and upon all his household before our eyes. Now look at this. And he brought us out from thence that he might bring us in. He brought us out that he might bring us in. There's, a, there's an order, there's a progression to this leaving and enters. He brought us out from thence that he might bring us in to give us the land which he sware unto our fathers. So he, he brings us out. He brings us out. He wants you to leave right. So um, he, t- he takes us and he gets us where we can leave something so that when we enter into something, we don't bring all that junk with us into the new place. Uh, here he says, he brought us out. He brought us out. He had to take us out and to bring us in. But a lot of people don't want, it's, it, they're impatient or they're ignorant. Ignorant just means you don't know. It doesn't mean stupid. It just means you're ignorant. You don't know. You're either ignorant or you're uh, impatient when you don't want to take the process of leaving right. You just want to enter in. Why was it that the, when the spies or when the children of Israel they heard from the spies, we're going into the land of promise, but there's giants and there's walled cities. And uh, they said, we're afraid. And 10 of the 12 spies got it wrong. Now, they did report the information, but they didn't have revelation and they got it wrong. And so people that don't want to get, listen, listen, this is important. People that don't want to leave right, don't want to take the time to deal with their issues like bitterness or unforgiveness or, or being covetous or jealous or whatever, they won't want to deal with that. They can't leave. They can't enter in because they won't change to leave. And you have to leave in order to enter. But a lot of people just want to enter. They don't want to leave something. They want to just enter. Let's get there. Let's do it. Let's do it right now. In uh, Romans chapter 8, you know, we're going to back all this up with the scriptures. We're not just going to get somebody's opinion, much less mine, but we're going to look at the Word. It says in chapter 24, excuse me, chapter 8, verse 24, I, I like to never found this scripture yesterday. I, I, I didn't know what it was, but it says, uh, verse 24 says, For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for what we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Let me read it out of the ESV. It says, if we can see what we're waiting for, that's not really hope. People don't hope for something they already have. So 
if you already got leaving figured out in your in the carnal part of her mind, in the, uh, the, the, the old man, if you can revert to an old way of thinking and you just say, I'm good. All I need is a new job. All I need is a new wife. All I need is a new husband. All I need is to get out of this sorry, dirty little town and get somewhere where they appreciate someone like me. If that's leave, that's not leaving. That's just saying I'm good and I just need something to enter into and I'll be even better. But it's not true. You'll take every, you'll, you'll move to a little dirty little town and you'll have, you'll have mean people there. Everything that you've railed against over here, it's waiting for you. So we have to get rid of that. Why do we hope for things that we already see? So there's an expectation in faith. The Bible says with faith and patience, we inherit the promises. You gotta, you gotta stop about before you leave and deal with things there so you don't take them to the new level and submarine the new level. And so that's why we do that. That's why we, uh, what book is it that, uh, uh, is it Ephesians that says, let him that steal, steal no more. You go, this is the church at Ephesus. Paul, what are you talking to about them? Let them that steal. There's people in the church that steal. Let them steal no more. That was an admonition. It's like, what? Well, it was a problem, apparently. Apparently, people that are Christians were stealing. You know, when we gripe about people and malign people, we're stealing their reputation. It's not just always a, an object or, or something. So we got to get out of our old new fail, our, our old failures and put on new success. You got to break where you've come from in order to go to where you've never been. I'm just a worm. I did this back in 84 and I, you know, the Lord's forgiven me, but I hadn't forgotten it. That is sorry little thinking. But it does take the word of God to get you out of that. You have to put him in and know that you're forgiven. You have to go to 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Where's the cleansing? Well, it's not down here. Sin has, shall not have dominion over you, Paul said in Romans. So it's not down here. The cleansing from all unrighteousness is up here where we get free from unrighteousness and free from guilt and free from shame up here where we can cut it off, we can sever it, we can leave it behind and go to the new and not take it with me. Amen. Not take it with you. Leave it behind. Well, that takes revelation. They can tell you all day, well, you're forgiven. That's in the God's sea of forgetfulness. God doesn't care about that. They can tell you that all day, but until you have revelation and see I am forgiven. I am blood washed. I am as if, listen, I am as if I never sinned. As a matter of fact, I never have sinned. The new man that I am has not been in sin. Doesn't mean, you know, we say just because you're a, in a garage doesn't make you a car. And so the same thing, just because you mess up, you miss the mark, you sin doesn't make you a sinner. You got to put that on. And you listen to people on TV and uh, they'll, or, or just people, just people, even preachers, you'll listen to them and they'll say, well, we're all sinners. Y'all hear that when they say that? Do y'all notice when they say, well, we're all sinners. We all need God. And yeah, we need God, but I'm not a sinner. I was a sinner. Well, we got to get off of this. Hallelujah. I got, I got places to go. I'm not even down the end of the first page. <laughs> Hallelujah. So we got to get out of our old failures. You got to cut them off and say that was that's what who I was, but who I was is not who I am. What I did does not define who I am. That takes revelation. You can't just have someone tell you that and you get oh yeah yeah I got that because it'll come up tomorrow. Uh, your past, my past. The only value to my past is equipping me for the future. Don't do that anymore. That's my past. Don't do what you did anymore. But other than that, it's worthless. Your past is worthless. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't put you in a high level. Well, I used to be a hot dog here and I used to have money there and I, people used to call me for counsel. It doesn't mean a thing about now. You're dumb as a rock today if you don't have Jesus. Hallelujah. So, uh, some of life, now a big part of life, I think, but some of life is not the destination. People confuse the trip to the destination with the destination, but, uh, uh, 
what happens in your life is not uh, the destination, but it's preparation. You learn some things about people. You learn, you get burned a time or two, and finally you get over it and just say, you know, that, that doesn't affect me. Me personally, as, as, a, as a pastor, as a, you know, what, go, what goes on with other people does not determine my future. If I had a thousand people in the church and he said, it's time to go, you just have to load up and go. But if you have 15 people in your church and he says, stay, you don't care how many's out there. You don't care what's going on. You don't care what the money is. I mean, your mind is trying to get over there. Your head's trying to get over there. But we're bought with a price. That, that has nothing to do with anything. I work for him. Do you work for him? Yes. So we're not moved by things that we see. So our past does not affect us. Everyone has one. But everybody has to leave the past in the past. We're talking about crisis here, transition out of crisis. And so if, if you despise where you came from, you'll not be happy where you're going. You got to deal with it. Exes, you got to deal with your ex. I don't know if anybody in here has one, but somebody's got one somewhere. Some of you got more than one. Hallelujah. All my exes came from Texas and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> you got to deal with exes. You got to deal with mean people. You got to deal with church people, pastors, elders, deacons that hurt you, that did something terrible, that, that, that were unrighteous and you saw it and heard about it and knew it. And yet God was still good. God was still good, but the man wasn't. But the truth is, the whole truth is, is you and I have done things that have caused other people to stumble and God forgive us. Before we throw the rock at somebody else, we need to say, God, I, I'm sorry for what I've done to other people. So definitely, crisis is not the act of escaping from something. Crisis is the act of going into something. I'm not, I'm not locked down from where I came from. I'm locked into where he's sending me. And, and truly, truly, I have seen this even in my own life, but certainly in others, a lot of times, crisis is not the devil, it's not the situation, it's because we stayed too long. I remember when people get the Holy Ghost, when I got the Holy Ghost, the temptation, because you got revelation, here I am filled with the Holy Ghost. Whew, my old life has been upgraded, I am, this is awesome. And you want to go back to all your friends at your old church, y'all help me if you can. And you want to tell them all about it, but they don't have the revelation. The revel you give them information, but without revelation, they're mad at you. They think you're off the wagon. And so you go back there and you're frustrated. You try to, I need to get these people out. They know what's going on until they get a revelation, just like you and me, until we get a revelation of it. It ain't happening, honey. It's too political. It's too social. There's too many memories there. So you got to be careful that you don't stay where you were too long. Point yourself with me and say, move it. Move it. Beyond the move. Praise God. Well, so why couldn't Israel accept the new, the land of promise? Why, why did they drag their feet? Well, it's because they didn't cut off Egypt. They just could remember how hard it was in Egypt, and they, they complained out in, the, out in the wilderness going to the land of promise. They say, did, did you, Moses, did you... Did you despise the meat pots that we left? To Did God despise us with the meat pots to bring us out here? Well, there's no meat pots. Y'all know people that embellish their past? Oh, it was so good where I was. The church I was in was so good. And you left because it was so good? No, people, you know, the memory. But uh, the, the spies said, it's just like God said. It's just like Moses said. But they lost their faith in the Egypt leaving process. So don't stay so long. Cut it off. Your past, whether you've been hurt, just cut it off. I cut off some things in my past quickly, quicker than people wanted me to. And, you know, you can have discretion for other people, and, and that's true. But you got to live your life. you got to get, you got to make it right for you. you got to be, uh, uh, you got to live on revelation. And the process, here's what gets most people, is the process takes longer than they expect. It just takes longer, and they're going like, 
Why has God taken so long? And so it must be me, and it must be God doesn't like me, and all this stuff. And they get bogged down in the process, and they can't leave in order to enter in. Because truly, everything that happens in our life, listen, listen, everything that happens in your life should be fruitful and profitable. Not every day seems profitable. The process of forgiving people, the process of putting down a, uh, a uh, poverty lifestyle that you were raised in, the, the, uh, the process of getting guilt and shame off of you is not your future, but every day should end up profitable. The Lord's not taking us somewhere hard to punish us, to judge us, or to, uh, to teach us a lesson. I have a lot more to do with my future than, than I'd like to take credit for. It's not God. He put, me, he put me in there and said, if you'll do this, it'll work. It's me. It's not even other people. It's certainly not the devil. The devil is under our feet. So if the devil's giving you troubles, you just aren't lifting your foot and stomping. You're just, you're just, you're putting up with stuff. You're condemned. You're easily condemned. You're judged. So, so what, what's the process of leaving and entering? It's battling the change. The process is the process, the problem. It's like, I don't want to change or I want to change. I want this level, but this change is hard and I, I don't like it. Cause why? Because we love sitting in the sun and watching the waves come in and just having the, having the beach experience and we don't want to get up and go home and go back to Tuscaloosa or wherever you are. We want to stay at the beach. Do I have a witness anywhere out there? <laughs> But you can't live at the beach. Most of these places where you can spend your money is not somewhere that you can make your money. So you have to go back home and make money so you can come back to the beach and spend it. That's how that's how that process works. So uh, the change, it's battling the change. That's what hinders us. And so we have to be what the Bible calls, we looked at Matthew 25, 21, easily persuaded to believe. Or you could say easily persuaded to change. When the Lord says jump, we say, how far? We're already in. He's, he, we're already in. Now, do you all agree with this statement that the Father already knows where he wants to take you? I'd say that's pretty likely to be true. The Father already knows where he wants you to go. He called you before the foundation of the world. He gifted you. He equipped you. He already loaded you up. And there was an assembly point somewhere where your mother and father came together. You were conceived, and there the gifts came downloaded into your system, so to speak. If you could use a computer thing, you, you were downloaded with software. The hardware then started activating. And so the father knows where he wants to take you. And so he lays it out every way that he can. He'll have an angel appear to you. He'll, he'll lead you to Scripture. How many times have y'all heard and I'm not recommending this, where somebody threw their Bible on the bed and it opened up and they looked down there in verse 7 and it was exactly the word that God was trying to get to him. That's not his best, but he will use anything to get us to where he's leading us. That's a hard case right there when that happens. But okay, so the Father knows where he wants you to be, but change is involved. Your parents may not have known where you should be and they're not cooperating. Remember the story of Joseph. He had the story, he had the, the vision. God's going to use me to be over y'all. There was a lot of people that didn't cooperate with that. You know, they didn't get, they didn't get in the boat very fast. Um, leaving is required. Where the Father wants you to go, leaving is required. Leaving is required. Leaving is required. To go up, to go over, to go higher. Leaving is required. Everybody, here, here's what it is. Everybody wants the new before they let go of the old. That is a common Christian attribute. It's like, I'll start giving when God starts giving me more. In other words, they, they want to have a pile of it so that they're secure. And God says, no, we're not going to have any more. Just give anyway. Well, that, that person is mean to me. When they repent, then I'll get in the boat. Not likely. Actually, not ever. You just have to say, I'm going on. And then things start happening. 
So leaving is the transition, but entering, now I've seen this, entering is mandatory. Leaving is difficult, it's transition, it's the change, it's the crisis. But some people are so wiped out by the crisis of leaving, they don't. They lose their way on entering. Now, what if there were some prophets or some evangelists or some uh, in this room or in this broadcast? What if God has already called you to be born again, filled with the Holy Ghost? He's got a calling of prophet on your life, and you don't even go to church. You, you can't find Romans. Is that Old Testament or New Testament? You don't know. And yet the calling to be a prophet or whatever is on you, and God is demanding an extraction for what he sowed. He's demanding a fruit from the seed. And we just barely get saved. We, we go to the wrong church. We hear bad doctrine about how God is on a rampage to stomp your, your, your bad behavior. And he's going to put this on you and take that away from you. And, and yet you're called to be a prophet and you're, you're listening to that mess. There's a great travesty of justice in the kingdom. But it's not God's fault. He puts everything in your life in front of you to woo you, to lead you. What does it say in Romans 2, 4? Don't you know it's the goodness of God, the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. So we think if if there's no trouble, that God's happy. No, he, he wants us to change. And so he puts goodness on us. He takes the trouble that the devil brings, the world brings. He takes us off, it off and, uh, and, and puts good in your life. And you're going to say, it's so good for me right now. I think I'll serve God. Now that takes revelation. Because we're into a punishment mode in our lives. If God's mad at us, he whacks us. If he's not, if he's leaving us alone, he must be moderately happy with us. Sometimes leaving is supernatural. When we left Texas, we had so many signs. We had so much supernatural. One time we were at the Grand Royale, Royale Hotel in this transition. It took us a year. And this is in Lubbock, Texas. And we looked over. We're sitting on a brick wall. There's these leaves and everything. And there's a pool over here and a fountain over there. And we look over there. We're wrestling with moving to Alabama. And we look over there and there's a Manhole. Why would a manhole be in a nice hotel? I don't know. But it said Birmingham, Alabama on it in Lubbock, Texas. <laughs> Whoa, and you wouldn't go by that, but that was one of 60 gazillion things where he started confirming and affirming and saying. We went to a prayer meeting and we said, God, it's been almost a year. And we can't get this thing handled. Is it or isn't? Are you moving us or are you leaving us? If you're not moving us, Lord, let, let's get on with it. Let's do something here. Let's make more of this than we were. And so we were going to this. We had a week-long prayer meeting in our church at different houses. We would go in and pray. And so it was said, Lord, this is it. If you don't do something tonight, if you don't do something this week, and this was the last night, then we're going back. We're just going to put our head to the plow, our hand to the plow, and we're going to work it. And the scripture came up in that meeting. In Acts 13, where it says, Separate unto me Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereinto I have sent them. It was done. It was done. And so, uh, that was December, I believe. And we were gone in January. Yeah, we left a lot of crying mamas behind. Because <laughs> they didn't get the revelation. They didn't see Birmingham. They didn't hear Acts 13. They didn't see... And hear what we'd seen. So you got to go. You got to leave on your own. And everything's going to be against you, even the best of people. So the, the children of Israel, they wanted God to deal with the walled cities. They wanted God to deal with the giants. So you get a supernatural leaving. They left Egypt. How'd they leave Egypt? With 10 plagues. And Goshen was not plagued. And where they were was good. God supernaturally just put them in a bubble and the plague's over here, but they're over here. So it was supernatural. They came out. The Red Sea, was that a little bit? Did y'all see Charlton Heston back there in the Bible? <laughs> he, was, he was speaking to that water. So they get out there in the wilderness and they start griping and crying. And he says, Moses, he said, get up on the rock and smite the rock, strike the rock. And water came out, and it followed them on the rest of their journey. And then they had the pillar of fire at night and the pillar 
of cloud by day. What is going on here that God's not confirming this? But they were so traumatized by Egypt, they couldn't leave. They had Egypt in their hearts, and they didn't leave Egypt behind, even though God was putting everything he had in front of them. I tell you right now, family, there's been more supernatural going on in your life than you are giving credit for. Things that you're saying, isn't that nice? And didn't, wasn't I good to get that promotion? And wasn't, wasn't it swell what my husband did and what it was God? Sure, you saw the instruments, you saw the, the facilities of it, but it was God. But people want a supernatural entering. And the, it wasn't supernatural. They said, God, now you took us out supernaturally. We want you to whoop some giants in the land of promise. And we want you, we want to just stand back and watch Jericho or not Jericho, but the walls just come down like Jericho did later. We want a supernatural entering. The supernatural is in the leaving, but the entering is by faith. You leave supernaturally. He gives you a scripture or a, a manhole cover or a whatever. But entering is just by old dogged faith. You've got to get in faith or you'll be in that little place between Egypt and the land of promise. What was it called? The wilderness. And a lot of Christians are in the wilderness because they came out and they're going, whoa, we like this supernatural. Now, Lord, we're waiting for you to supernaturally open the door. He said, no, walk by faith, not by sight. This is real good preaching, y'all. This, this can help you. So, uh, so what do you got to do? You got to hold the past loosely. Say loosely. You got to hold the past loosely. Well, they did this to me. Well, yeah. They were used of the devil just like he used you. Well, I need more money to go in. Yeah, we all do. We all wish we had more money. We all wish we had more friends. We all wish we had more understanding people. But it ain't happening. Excuse my English, but it's not happening. You've got you to appropriate entering with your faith. They, they had to go in there and whoop the giants. Y'all remember that? And sometimes they disobeyed and, and they got whipped by the giants. And they had to go in there and stand against the walled cities. And it was a tough old time because they were traumatized by com of coming out of Egypt, even though God did everything. He did everything to get them out. So let's say this. When it's time to change, God's for you. If he can do it, he will. If there's any way, God, the supernatural, if heaven can help you, Consider it done. To leave, you can leave. It's comfortable back where you were. Change is going to take some, some doing. Entering in is going to take faith. I've seen God bless people that got off. They left, but they left wrong, or they left and went down the, the wrong way. And the Lord's just so gracious. He's done this for me. I know he's done it for you. He just works with you, works with you, works with you until he gets you back around to the destination. He'd rather you just go, did you know it was an 11-day walk from Egypt to the land of promise? How, many, how long did it take those boys and girls to get there? It's called 40 years. But they did get there. So if you'll just stay with God, he'll get you there. I want to finish with this, that in every kind of trouble, God's the same. That your trouble does not move God. He doesn't say, well, we got to adjust the word. We got to adjust heaven. We got, because we got special circumstances going on down there. Nope. He remains the same. The truth is, somebody's already had troubles like you and me. And some people have had worse troubles than you and me. I read, and I'm going to bring it to you later, but if they took the whole world, what is there, seven and something billion of us, and they took a, a proportionate dichotomy of all the world, and said, we're going we're gonna to transpose the world model into a hundred people, a village of a hundred people. And it's going to be the exact percentage of, of how the world is. Let me just tell you, out of a hundred people, six of them are Americans. Very small. But 59% of the wealth of the world is in those six people. Wow. You want to cry about how it is and how you ain't got money? but you got indoor plumbing, you can read a book. It's staggering. These, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring them to you and, and hand them out. It's staggering what God has done for America because God blessed America. 
But it's because America blessed God at the beginning. And so we've been able to enter, we've been able to enter in because we, we left right. We left because of God, England and all those things. And we entered in with a constitution and every state of the union, despite how they're acting right now, every state of the union in their preamble puts God. We're blessed. Well, what's, what is, what's demonstrated for Israel, what's demonstrated in the United States is supposed to be demonstrated in our lives. If you'll serve God, if you'll give God a, an opportunity in your life, he will cause you to leave things that have held you back and cut those things off that held you back and sever them and cause you to enter into the land of promise. He wants all of us out of Egypt. And in every trouble, the word of God remains the same. No special stuff. The six Americans that own 59% of the entire world's wealth could be every nation. Every nation could have that. As a matter of fact, South Korea is purported to be more Christian than America. They're actually sending missionaries here. Have you all ever heard of a missionary coming from South Korea? Absolutely. They're in America trying to help us. So every nation could take the word of God. He's not just doing it for America. America just said yes, and so he was able to do more. Amen. I like to say, you know I like to say, there's always a way to win. And no matter what crisis comes your way, there's a way to not only whip the crisis, but there's a way to have an advantage or a benefit in the doing. Amen. So I want us to just stop for a moment and just think about what it would be a purported or a, a, uh, a, a crisis in your life, things that you either have been or are in right now. It could be financial. It could be relational, where this is tough. I've listened lately. I've got about 10 or 12 experiences, not in my life, but that I've been dealing with with other people, and I go, this is overwhelming. There's, there's no answer to this. There's no answer to this. I'm like, well, what is the answer to this? I don't see it. But the Bible says all things are possible with God. And I know myself, just my little old self here, I've been the recipient of many supernatural transactions. And so have you. So even though there seems like there's not a way to win, there's a way to win. And I want you to take hope that your situation is hard, but not impossible. It's hard only because it's going to take a lot of renovation in us. But I am reminded of the word that where it talks about if you take one step, God takes one with you. If you just act in faith about something, about anything, he will be on it. He's not mad at anybody. He's for everybody. Amen. So we're not, we're not going to avoid crisis. We're going to preempt them. We're going to be tuning in. What's that, Lord? What do you want me to do? I'll do it. And when you do it, you miss the crisis. I was talking to someone yesterday that uh, was on a board of a nonprofit, and they were doing so good for so many people. It was just a blessing to so many people. He was on the board of that, and they were just all over the nation, just helping folks. And the Lord talked to this minister one time, and he said, get off the board. Get off the board now. So everything looked good. He resigned, stepped back, and in two years later, the, uh, the people that were running that board are in prison and owe fines of 800000 or a million dollars because they were doing things under the table and this, this man was on the board. But he didn't know about it. He didn't, you know, it wasn't him. God will get you out if you'll change. Amen. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you right now for revelation. We need, but we want revelation. We want you to speak to us just like you want to speak to us. But so we turn on the hearing aids, we turn on the voice of the Lord in our life and give it value, give it worth. Oh, yes, Lord. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Lord, we want to live, and we want to live now. So we put your word in, and we hold true what you say to us. It is the best thing that could happen in our lives. And Lord, we get over past crisis, things where we got hurt, we got maligned, situations and people 
that hurt us and hurt us bad. Well, right now we get over it. We, you didn't hurt us, so we get over what they did. It was just th- something of the flesh, of the devil. It's, it wasn't personal. Lord, we get over it. I just put it aside now, and I decide to just leap for joy when I fall into these trials because you've already whipped all of them. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So thank you for tuning in to our broadcast today. You viewers are, are greatly appreciated, and we ask you to stay tuned because there's plenty more where that came from. Amen. Amen.